and welcome to Sloop. We are talking about House of the Dragon again. This is actually going to be a two-parter because I had a miss a week due to a really cool convention. Um, go ahead and listen to the last Geek Freaks episode to fill you in on all that. It was really fun. But we're going to be talking about episode four, King of the Narrow Sea, and episode five, We Light the Way. We'll briefly go over the story for both these episodes. Again, it's a two-parter. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about what these episodes mean and especially the growth that it that it brings forward. Uh, these are the last two episodes for a couple of our characters, for a couple of our, I'm sorry, our actors, uh, including Millie Alcock as the young Prince Rhaenyra and then Emily Carey as young Alicent Hightower. Both did such an outstanding job. Truly wonderful work by both of them. Uh, Millie specifically, like seeing her growth through the episodes and seeing how now she's so much more of a complex character from the first episode. And then Emily as well with Alicent. Uh, we go from rooting for her as a young girl, then despising her because she's, you know, with with Viserys, then seeing that she's trapped and it, like she's really complicated. So both actresses just killed it. Uh, replacing both these characters, Millie Alcox, Prince, uh, Princess Rhaenyra, is going to be replaced by uh, Emma Darcy. You've seen Emma Darcy in a lot of stuff. Um, and then our new Alicent Hightower is going to be Olivia Cook. So both those are going to be coming in on the next episode, episode six. Now, let's quickly get into the story. This will be really fast. For King of the Narrow Sea, Episode 4, we see that we have Rhaenyra rejecting all these suitors that she's coming across. Most of them are terrible. Most of them suck. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to skip the rest of this trip. I'm going home to King's Landing. When she gets back, she finds that Prince Daemon is also returning from his battles at the Stepstones. He's calling himself King of the Narrow Sea. That's where we get the title of the episode. Uh, we're not sure which way Daemon's going to go. Was he going to try to start a war or be a punk? No, he kneels down and gives his crown over. Uh, generally, this episode is all about the growth of, or the maturing of, <laughs> I guess the right term, of Princess Rhaenyra and of Alicent. So, uh, Damon takes Rhaenyra out on the town at night, uh, disguised as just lowly folk, and he takes her eventually to a brothel. Things get very complicated there, and eventually he leaves. We'll discuss that more. Um, he leaves, and she is sexually awoken or or at least very she wants some needs met and so she goes back and she finds Kristen her guard uh, the king of the king's guardsman and uh she brings her Kristen into her bed meanwhile we see that Alicent uh she's talking about how she's been caged really she's kind of starting to overlay that and and she's been both you know listening to her father's orders Otto Hightower and now she's under the king's uh basically orders and she's just there to continue to make babies, and she feels very caged. Earlier in the in the season, in the show, we kind of felt like, oh, you know, oh, poor King Viserys has to marry it. But I mean, honestly, you know, she's really the victim in this, and so we're really seeing that now. Uh, we're basically so, as you can tell, we're we're basically kind of setting up both these characters as we're developing their maturity. We have Rhaenyra becoming now sexually uh, uh, active, and then we have Alicent. Uh, constantly the caged queen, you know. Um, all right, now we're going, moving on to We Light the Way. That's the next episode, episode five. This episode is all about the marriage of Rhaenyra. She's going to be ma uh, marrying Laenor uh, Valerion. Now, the key with this relationship, it's very interesting how they're going to do this. Is um, I think it's actually something that probably happened a lot in both, like, history and probably in fantasy, uh, where... Lainor is not interested in, in Rhaenyra because he's gay and he has a lover. And she is not interested in Lainor because she doesn't want to be tied down. And she's she's also liking Kristen a lot right now. <laughs> you know, her, her Kingsguard. And so 
they're gonna have this relationship they're gonna have this marriage basically because it's what's best for the kingdom but you know he's okay and she's okay with the situation we quickly get into a wedding and of course a wedding in westeros never goes well we never see a good wedding go well um during the 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 wedding it seems like everything's gonna go gonna be okay but we have rising tensions you're kind of watching these focal points and you're just waiting to see it happen they talk about that after the episode like you're waiting to see where this erupts from and just really you're on the edge of your seat and it erupts from uh, i can't even remember his name he's like so nameless but uh Elenor's lover uh basically is kind of talking to kristen about like hey i know your secret you know my secret let's make sure that those two stay safe yada 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 but kristen breaks and we see, like, we're not sure who's going to start a fight. It's Kristen, of all people, like the most loyal knight. Just starts beating the shit out of out of Lenor's lover and, and kills him. Uh, bloody affair, and it looks, I mean, it was awful. It reminds me much of the mountain uh, versus the Red Viper from Game of Thrones. So Kristen walks off, and he's ready to kill himself. He's lost his shame. He's lost his honor. And we're going to dive into that here in a moment. Um, but then he's stopped by Allison's Hightower. And uh, we're going to talk about Alice and the moves that she made in this episode. There's some big moves here. Then Lenor and uh, Rhaenyra are married. But what was this grand affair where everybody was there is now this sad, hollow event where it's just them and their parents in front of an, uh, uh, a maester getting married. He's sobbing over his lost love. And she, you can see in her face, just totally understands that he is, you know, just distraught. And, and she feels for him as a friend, you know. And um, this is going to be a bad start to their marriage, but I, there's something there. I really like how these two are like, look, this sucks, but we can get through this together. I'm hoping that that carries through. It'll be very interesting to see how that carries through. All right, let's go ahead and break down some of our key focuses on this on these two episodes, okay? All right, we have five focuses this time around. We have the Forbidden Targaryens, the Caged Queen, the Arrangement, Alicent's Defiance, and Honorable Sir Kristen. So for Anira. And Damon in the Forbidden Targaryens, this relationship they have here, that's something they mentioned after the show. And and me and Scott, you guys hop on our Discord every so often and chat with us. We really kind of discussed this out. And it was very interesting. We had kind of this different point of view of what this is, this kind of abuse that's sitting here, because you got to remember that Rhaenyra is young. This is her first kind of foyer into the sexual world, while obviously Damon is ahead of the game on this experience wise. So why is he bringing her into this world? And Scott had a very good point that he's he expected her to freak out. And they mentioned that as the show a little bit, but he but the way Scott explains it quite well is they, he expected her to freak out and then um he could control the situation. Even he he probably still was gonna pursue Rhaenyra. Now, my interpretation of the situation was that he was he I don't think he was trying to fully gain control. Now I know that's against what the people are saying, but I don't think that was necessarily the situation. I think he was bringing her there to see how she would react and play off of it in her meeting that challenge. And like, Hey, this is my field. I'm in on this. He is like steps back. Like, Holy cow. What? You know, like he kind of, it, it throws him a little bit. And, um, I really like that in Rhaenyra and I'm worried about that in Damien. Damon, there's that aspect of it, it, how is this abuse and, and, and stuff like that because, again, he's so much more experienced. He's putting her in a bad situation. Um, I, I liken it a lot to high school. In high school, everybody's developing and, and stuff like that at different ages and stuff, so it can be a very complicated situation. And if there's not that full consent and stuff like that, you can really start to unravel quickly. So you have to be extra, extra careful, right? 
And in this case, Damon is putting her in a situation where she might feel pressured or, uh, or something like that. And then when she is ready to, to have sex and he abandons her, that is so insanely irresponsible because she doesn't know what's going on and he does. And then, so she just, she seeks sex wherever she can and she finds Kristen. It's a very complicated situation. One in which I personally, as, as a man might not be the right person for this, but I would like to hear from you guys, especially, you know, the women out there that, that might understand the situation more. Um, what was she supposed to do in this situation? And I mean, it's just such a tough spot to be in, right? So let me know what your guys' opinions are on that situation there. Uh, we're going on to the caged queen, Allison. Again, this character started out as the friend of Rhaenyra. She was really fun. She was kind of the grounded person of their relationship. Moving on to, she's listening to her dad's commands to go and comfort the king. And that we pretty we saw through that pretty quick, right? Obviously, he was trying to set up his line. And in doing so, it worked. He you know, she marries the king and, and doing okay. But then we see that she has no interest in what Viserys does. They're they're of vastly different ages. She is, while Rhaenyra is discovering her sexuality right now, Allison is being used for her sexuality. We see that she's being beckoned by King Viserys and, and she has to listen to the call. She sits there emotionless, just trying to, it reminds me of like the old saying, I like, think of Eng England. Or think of baseball. Like she's just trying to go through the motions of the sex scene and is not enjoying it all. While King Viserys just, you know, he's making another heir, essentially. It's she's joyless and she's in this gilded cage. It's a beautiful world, and people would say, Oh, we wish to be like you. You're a king. And uh she feels caged. Now she says exactly to Rhaenyra, people wish they could be like you, where you could choose any man in the kingdom and basically surmise the tour did not go well. I enjoyed it as long as I could. Have every young knight and lord in the seven kingdoms fawning over you. What misery. It is rare for girls in this realm to get a choice between two suitors, no less two score of them. Those men and boys don't fawn over me. They only want my name in my Valyrian blood for their offspring. I think it's rather romantic. How romantic it must be to get imprisoned in a castle and me to squeeze out to heirs. And yet Rhaenyra feels caged by that obligation. And here we see that uh, Alicent is in the same situation in a way. We have sympathy and it's, it's something that's going to be a running theme through House of the Dragons, more so than Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, look, Cersei Lannister was a villain. Was she a protective mom? Sure, but she was always just a villain, right? This is that's not the case here. We have people who are doing good things and we have people doing bad things, but they nobody is a good person or a bad person. Um, the greens and the blacks, which you'll guys you'll know them by those two names later on. Both sides are bad and good. So we have to remember that we're just we're rooting for our favorites, which generally are going to be the blacks going forward. All right, we're going to be going over the arrangement again. I think this is something that was pretty common. We saw a little bit of this in Braveheart, right? Where, look, you're going to get married. I'm not interested in you. You're not interested in me. Uh, from sexuality, preferences, orientation, or just I got a side piece or something. You know, something else. You generally are just like, I'm not that interested in you, and that's fine. So I think this has hap happened quite a bit in the past. I know that whatever agreement being struck up there will not change your appetites. Nor will it change mine. And what do you propose? That we perform our duty to our fathers and to the realm. And when it's done, 
each of us dines as we see fit. Where it becomes a problem is in the heirs. When your children don't look like your loved one, that will be an issue. But uh, I think this was a pretty smart move on both Rhaenyra and Laenor's side. Obviously, they don't have any interest in each other, so this is a good move for them. The families uniting is very good. And as for the parents, I mean, Viserys made a great deal with Lord uh, Corlys, the, the sea snake, basically saying, yeah, they'll have Valyrian, Valyrian names until one of them becomes king. Then they're a Targaryen. That is such a good move. That makes both sides happy. And it means that most of the heirs will be Valyrian, right? Except for one that will be Targaryen. If everything goes well, nothing goes well. <laughs> but at least we have kind of this, these rules laid out. And this is kind of, if, if everything worked out well, Right. If this wasn't Game of Thrones, if this wasn't Westeros, this is the best case scenario, I think, for every party involved. And there's an air of hopefulness. And when we see the end of this wedding, when things start to fall apart, we see just desperation and sadness, true sadness. But at this point, it's like everybody gets what they want. It's so perfect. Just there are no happy endings in Game of Thrones. Next, we have Allison's Defiance. And we, of course... We saw it all. They talked about it after the show as well. The green dress. This is so important. And we saw it a lot with, with, with Game of Thrones as well. And I'll talk about Cersei Lannister for this as well. Allison is wearing green because that's her family's color. And they even mentioned it. Like, what are they, what's the color of the beacon on top of the tower and high tower? Just their family is green. And so that's, a, that's showing that, look, I am high tower first, queen, Targaryen, queen of a Targaryen next. And... This sort of loyalty to your family above all is echoed further in the timeline and in our previous show with Game of Thrones. Cersei is a Baratheon in a lot, right? She's Baratheon by marriage. She's Baratheon, so she should be wearing stags and embracing her, her king's uh, sigils and stuff like that. But no, she wears reds a lot. She wears gold a lot. The two colors for House Lannister. When he passes, she straight up wears... I mean, lions on her. She it's it's actually up for question, up for debate when it's happening. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And she just further and further, further tries to make her father proud. Of course, Tywin Lannister. And I think that's exactly what we have going on here. We see that Allison is basically trying to make her father, who was just kicked out of the castle, proud, saying, "Look, Otto is my dad, and I represent Otto." And boom, she's wearing it with her dress, and her whole family's right there. And as she's walking by, you'll know. She's wearing this bright green dress. It's a beautiful dress, really. The costume design, of course, for the show is just impeccable. But as she's walking by, she's walking by all those high towers. They're all also wearing green. And it's like, there's, there's your, that's your other faction right there. There it is. And uh, we have problems ahead, <laughs> right? So Allison being defiant in this moment is the first time we see her shaking that cage that she's in from the previous episode. And it proves that she's not just going to go with whatever people say is what's destined. So, you know, right near right now, Rhaenyra is going to be the next heir in the line, but it shows that no, not necessarily because you know what? I'm representing my people and what's best for my family. And we got to remember her family includes Aegon the second, her son. Lastly, we're going to be going to honorable Sir Kristen. So we saw Sir Kristen here just beat the living shit out of somebody. And I think that's because going in, when we first met Sir Kristen, he was this, you know, lesser knight who won battles. He was, he was from the actual battlefield, the only one from it. And he saw being a King's Guardsman, like true honor. Like that is actually a position where I can make, make a name for my family. The Christian Cole, you know, the Cole family would actually get pride from that. 
And in that mix, he sees that, man, these people are shady as all hell. I don't trust this. I don't like it. And I think that's a culture shock for him. And he's like, look, it's not great, but I'll just kind of keep my distance a little bit. And then he, you know, hey, he he has sex with the Rainier and it just, you know, he talks about how it muddies my my white coat or his white uh, cloak. And his solution later on is like, let's just run away. I'll rebuild my name and we'll be in another place and stuff. And you see right away when he says we'll lose our names, she's like, that's not happening. I am a Targaryen and I'm going to, we're going to see, she's going to fight for that shit. She's not going to give it up for, for Kristen, no matter how great he is in bed, because that's not what's most important to her. She's a Targaryen. She is truly a Targaryen in her actions. And so this just won't work for her. So we have Kristen here who's now just a gut punch. He has all he had to his name was all he had for himself, really, was that cloak, was the fact that he's an honorable Kingsguardman. She ruined that for him now. And in saying, like, maybe there's an option if I start anew and become a good family man, she said no to that. You will be my whore on the side, he claims. And so when he's standing guard at her wedding, he's glancing over the entire time and just building with rage that right there. He's like, that's the that's the woman over there I love. But she's putting me in this terrible situation. and I'm not comfortable. Think of how Ned Stark was when he came from the north. Oh, a simple place where he was just a good ruler. He delivered the king's justice himself. And now when he's in King's Landing and he's meeting somebody like Cersei or when he's talking to somebody like Tyrion, who truly play the Game of Thrones. He's a fish out of water. He doesn't belong. And we're seeing that right here with Kristen. And when that guy comes up, I can't remember his name. I should pull it up when he comes up and he's like, oh, you know, we got more blackmailing and bargaining to do. Kristen snaps. No, I'm not this night. I won't go out this way. And I think there might be a level of like, if I kill him and then myself, the blackmail over Rhaenyra, which he clearly still likes, is gone. So I think there might be a level of that too, whether or not that's on surface or below it. I think he's like, look, if I just kill me and him, we're both out, then Rhaenyra and Laenor can live in peace and actually be best for the kingdom. He really, truly would be a Kingsguard in that situation, right? So he kills him and he goes off to the Godswood to kill himself. We see that he's stopped by Alicent. Now, I think these two will make a very good combo. Here's a couple reasons why. Alicent needs that white knight. She feels like she is uh, going to be the beacon of Westerosian honor in the shady Targaryen shadow. And boom, we have Kristen Cole would be a perfect white knight for that. Somebody who, again, honor for a second, somebody her age that she could really relate to in a world where she needs somebody like that. There's that side too, right? And they both were burned by Rhaenyra time and time again, and they will be uh, going forward. So I think the Alicent uh, Kristen Cole combo is going to be very, very fun to watch and see how that shakes out. Anyways, that's our five focal points and story for House of the Dragons. What were some of your favorite parts from the episode? A uh, couple of visuals that I want to bring up. We have Driftmark, the home of the Valerian people. It was very nice castle. The interior was definitely like, you know, sea themed, but it felt like there was some like old ancient treasures in there. I really liked that. Their ships. Holy shit. They put everybody else to shame. Those were like Captain Hook from the movie Hook level ships. That was some cool visuals, some really cool things. We got a brand new dragon in here. Uh, just some neat visuals all around. The music was on point as expected. Nothing too crazy. Nothing that was a, a audio cue that we needed to discuss. But just visually, the two things were basically Driftmark. Uh, we had the wedding looks very nice, but it was um, as you'd expect for the wedding. But Driftmark was very beautiful. 
one of the highlights in the castle world for game for game of thrones westeros and the ships were you know obviously on point they had to be this is the best navy in all of westeros right here but yeah let me know what your favorite parts were guys and uh, i will see you guys next week we have a couple more episodes to go all right bye